Alina off Nagy's glove into center field. The Florida Marlins have won the World Series. Spins, throws, he got him! A perfect game for Roy Halladay! 27 up and 27 down! Behind the bag, it gets through Buckner! for the Nationals in the first game in their beautiful new ballpark. Left center field, Grissom on the run. The team of the 90s has its world championship. Hello and welcome to You Gotta Believe, the Buy the Men NL East podcast. We are here the day after both of the National League Division Series, series themselves wrapped up. To talk about one NL East team who lost in spectacular fashion and one who finally won a playoff series. Uh, I am Jordan Jameson. I support the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm Thomas Francis for the New York Mets. And uh, <laughs> Darley, we, we, we will have to talk about our teams because uh, since we last did a podcast, uh, both our managers got shit canned. So uh, we will need to talk about that quickly. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, to be perfectly honest, because... Is not as important as uh, the two game fives that took place last night. But uh, quickly, Thomas, uh, Mickey Calloway was fired um, a couple of days ago. Uh, now, I think there might be some people who are surprised by it, considering the Mets ended up having a pretty good season. But we talked about it all year. And I mean, this is absolutely the right decision by the New York Mets. Yeah, definitely. Definitely the right decision. And um, I did get the feeling, even when we, things were going well, that it was like, you know, a couple of months ago, I thought I thought he was coming. I think he was always likely to come. And, um, and yeah, I think the word was that, you know, they want someone who's going to, you know, just get us playing October baseball, really. I think they want, by the sounds of it, the word coming out is that they want someone with a bigger reputation. So hopefully that points towards, I mean, the one that is sort of doing the rounds at the moment is Girardi. That's sort of seems to be the one constant theme. And he's definitely being interviewed by the Cubs. I don't know that for sure. I think it might have been this week or next week. But he'll be ideal, um, I guess, especially as he knows New York. He's not going to be intimidated by New York, obviously. Um, so he did a great job at the Yankees for so many years. And he'll be absolutely perfect. Beltron sort of linked as well in some sort of weird Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer style link. Um, you know, like with Manchester United, but he was, uh, that is how it felt to me anyway. It didn't feel like he's done. I, mean, I think he's been on coaching staffs, I think, hasn't he, really? But he hasn't done much with regards to management, as far as I know. But um, it would feel like it's just one for the fans, like, it's, again, a Solskjaer one. And I wouldn't be totally for it. I mean, if it's Girardi first and Beltran's his bench coach and, you know, he eventually learns enough and takes over from him, then. Um, after a few years, then that would suit me fine. But yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely the right decision, and um, uh, yeah, um, it was good. We had to get it done early because obviously, a load of, with the type of managers that are available, we needed to act quickly. Yeah, uh, and I think it's one of those situations where the Mets could quite easily have ended up um, justifying keeping Callaway. Obviously, the way the second half of the season went, but uh, the. I don't think there's any question they absolutely did the right thing. We've talked about this with managers in baseball. I think it's absolutely a scenario where um, a great manager can only do so much, but a bad manager can really screw you out of victories that you should have. And 
Murky Calloway definitely, to me, comes under that bad manager. And I mean, it not only has he, you know, made some really, really questionable decisions in terms of his lineup, in terms of in-game management, he's also been very quick to upset guys like Noah Syndergaard for no discernible reason. Like it's one thing, like to to clash heads with a star player uh, when it's warranted, but to clash heads over something that's just stupid um, to me makes makes no sense. So I don't think the Mets. I, I can't. I can't criticize the Mets for this move at all. To be honest, and I actually, I actually credit them to be honest because I think that, like I say, it would have been really, really easy to keep them around um, and justify it with the way the second half of the season went. But they did the right thing, and we'll see what happens. A team who didn't act quickly though was my team, the Phillies. Now Kapler was fired today. Uh, the longer this went on, the longer it looked like Kapler was going to stay. And what bothers me about this is I think Kapler is like the least of the Phillies' problems. So um, to wait this long to then just can them, like, you know, like obviously like when you're talking about guys who could be a potential replacement for him, I mean, some of them have already been interviewing for jobs or certainly being heavily linked with other teams before the Phillies have even made a move. And it just seems, I always find it kind of strange. Now, I'm not saying that like this in a vacuum is a fireable offence, but you look at the GM, Matt Klentak, who... I mean, the job he's done is very questionable at best. And to me, I think that to to fire the manager that he handpicked should not be the vote of confidence in the general manager that it seems to be. And uh, I, I don't like the move, to be honest, but um, I, I don't have any huge complaints over it as well. But I think that the idea that the manager is the scapegoat um, uh, in this situation is kind of a problem, to be honest. So um, I'm interested to hear your opinion, but I think that uh, I think that this firing of Gabe Kapler, I don't think it's a terrible move. I don't think it's a great move. I think it's just a move. But I feel that it's um, a way to, you know, you know that way where like you know, like you'll get to early in the season, like like the Nationals did to a certain extent, and not to, not to say that this is a great example because obviously, you know, the season's worked out great for them so far, but. You know, like you get to like um, a month into the season and you fire the pitching, uh, the pitching coach or the bullpen coach or whatever it was, and it's just one of those things where it's like, right, things are going shit. Who's the sacrificial lamb? You'll do. You know what I mean? And I think that Matt Kleinback has been part of the, uh, a big part of the problem with the Phillies, and I think that this move is kind of covering that up a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it it, it does. I agree. It does sort of strike me as someone's got to take the blame sort of thing. Um, even though I think it's hard, nothing really, really jumps out at me about uh, Kapler, really, like one way or the other. Obviously, plenty does with Callaway, uh, but it's Kapler. I, I never know what to think of him, really. I mean, there's those of you watch more games than him, so you know his in-game management a little more. But, yeah, it does feel like he's just been used as, you know, the sacrificial lamb, you know, it's someone's got to, someone's got to get it, and he's got it. And um, but yeah, I must be. I was a little confused about how long it took, especially if it, it's very indecisive. And it was again, it doesn't paint your GM in any great um, sort of way, really. I mean, it's um, especially when you know when Madden was going to come available. That's when you do it, surely. You, you yeah, that's 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 my thing as well because I've seen couple of people talk about Mike Sosha today and to me 
Mike Sosha is the exact opposite of what the Phillies are trying to do, so that one makes no sense. And Kapler was really hand-picked because he bought into the philosophy of what the Phillies' management and ownership are trying to do. So, um, and I think that, like, to me, I think that, like, if you're saying, if, when you were saying about what he did, um, I think a lot of people in Philadelphia remember, like, that first week in his first season where he hooked Nola after, like, 61 pitches on opening day and it didn't work. And then he had a couple of other faux pas in the first week. And I just think a lot of people never really got over that. Whereas I actually kind of feel a bit like like how you described him as kind of accurate. Kapler's just a fine manager. Like, he doesn't do anything that'll blow your mind. He doesn't do anything that's genius. He doesn't do anything that makes you want to tear your hair out. You know, I just feel like the... Like, in a weird way, Kapler, Kapler's reign will be somewhat forgettable. So... Maybe maybe that in itself is a, a good reason, but I like my managers to just be, you know, I like my managers just to not fuck up in baseball because I don't think they can have as much influence as people think. So, And I don't think that Kapler was part of the problem this season. I think that the biggest problem the Phillies had this season was A, the, the starting pitchers that were, well, not recruited, and B, the uh, bullpen arms who were all old and recruited and uh, got injured. And I don't know what Kapler's supposed to do about that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, 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 as I said, there was a lot that went wrong for the Phillies this season, and I don't really think um, really Kapler's done that much wrong. Really, there's only so much you can do with as a baseball manager, as, you, as we've already discussed. And it's you know when you know you know virtually the entire bullpen goes down, and your your pitching's not um, really firing and and then obviously you get a lot of other injuries as well. So, you know, main ones like Andrew McCutcheon. Um, again, there's only so much you can do. I would have probably given him maybe another season. Maybe they feel they've got to take the ball by the horns because of how good the Nationals and the the Braves going to be, and and the Mets already being proactive and uh, and firing Callaway. And you know, so it's yeah, I've got to make a little surprise. I just I can only assume they think they've got to. Maybe like the Mets have said, they they got to go for someone like a big name. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's. Um, I don't. I wouldn't get it if they if they went out and got you know another so so so. A bit like the Mets, really. Like there'd be no point firing Callaway or Kapler unless you go out and try and get a Madden or so sure. Well, not even not so sure. A Show Walter or uh, Madden. You know, someone. You know, someone like that. Really, if you're just going to get like another just sort of guy. Then there'll be no point in in doing it, really. You know, so it's um, them and the Mets have got to go out and get someone huge. I think, and I think that is, and I think the Mets and the, the Phil. I get the, the feeling the Mets and the Phillies are probably going to be interviewing a lot of the same people. Although, then again, the Mets have had what a week or a week or so, a week or two's head start on the Phillies, and probably, or I think, by the sounds of it, we conducted telephone interviews and not so much face-to-face, but, yeah, it's, um, whether that means anything, I don't know, because I imagine the managers will, you know, the potential managers, I should say, will know that, especially at Madden and Girardi, they've got enough confidence and they'll know that they'll have plenty of offers and there will be some big, there'll be some good offers as well. Um, as well, because obviously the Cubs is available, it's a huge, huge one as well. Phillies is a huge town, New York's a huge town, you know, so it's, um, yeah, so I, I don't think 
I'll be surprised if we hear anything before the end of October with regards to um, uh, filling out either a managerial vacancy. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, that's enough about our shitty teams. Let's talk about teams who were actually in the playoffs. Um, We'll start off with the Braves. Uh, I kind of wanted to do this in chronological order of when Game 5 happened. I know, obviously, Washington played their playoff game first. We've been in the wild card. But we'll get to them. And obviously, we'll get the negative out of the way first. Now, uh, the Braves were eliminated last night by the St. Louis Cardinals uh, in Game 5. Four very, 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 very close games were then followed by one unbelievable blowout. Now, I was at work yesterday. I was on my way back from work, actually. Um, And I knew the game was obviously starting a wee bit earlier than midnight. So I was like, I'll I'll have a check in a bit, uh, see what's happening. And then then I get an alert saying that the Cardinals have hung 10 on them in the first inning. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? So uh, now, obviously, this was a series that... uh, for the first four games, I mean, really, really close baseball, really, really interesting games, and then you're thinking you're looking at game five being one of those games where you're like, right, this could be really interesting, this could be nip and tuck, this could even go extra innings, and I mean, 25 minutes after the start, you know that the game is dead, and yeah, um, I there's a part of me that feels for the Braves, but. Um, at the same time, I also feel like, um, and this isn't a worry for the future because the Braves have got a really good roster and they are set up to be a very good team in the National League for the next few years at least. But as positive as their season was to get to, what was it, 97 wins, no one is going to remember anything other than last night that, uh, for 2019. And I think that is that that is... That is a shame, to be honest, that, like, you know what happens in the postseason, obviously, but all of their good work this season was undone by last night, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I said that is what you're doing for 162 games, isn't it? It's to play these, you know, hopefully, three series um, in October and November. And it's, like, the Braves weren't, I mean, we talked about injuries with, with your Phillies, but the Braves, um, over the last couple of months, with the, particularly their offensive, um, offensive-wise, they've really. I mean, in Seattle, he got injured. Then he Culberson had that horrible um, thing to the face. You could still see his bloodshot right eye. I mean, that I mean that was a while ago now, and he's still suffering from it. Um, and I think there was one or two other injuries as well. And um, so they, you know, having to draft in. I think like Duval was playing AAA only a couple of months ago. I think. And I mean, I was looking at them throughout the series as. This is a weak. You uh, kind of might feel if. I mean, it really didn't help that Freeman just has had a cold bat for about six weeks, and he's yeah. and he's he was. I got to only assume he's injured because there was something. His swing looks so incredibly awkward, and you know. But it was outside of Acuna and Swanson. I think those two hit about four hundred or something like that between them, and the rest of them hit. About 170. I think Freeman and Donaldson. Uh, I mean, Donaldson. I think hit his only home run of the series when the series was already over last night. Yeah, you know, it was. Um, so it was. They. I think in game. I think it was profligacy. I, I, I guess with chance because they they did have their chances, but it was just they just didn't take them. I mean, in game four, they when they were actually ahead, you know, they did have the chances to blow the game open. I think they had the bases loaded and. The, the sixth and the seventh, and um, 
I think they had, a, and you know, they. I think they only scored one. Um, I don't think they scored in either. I don't think, and it was. Um, I think they had some like successive innings where Acuna, like, was let off with like a double or triple, or is at least, at, you know, a second or third with less than. Uh, certainly let off one inning with a double or triple, and he, and they, on both occasions they didn't score, and it was. Um, there was just a lot of that, really. I mean, the Braves. I mean, they were largely pretty quiet. Like, I mean, in Game One, you know, until the last inning, where you know Acuna and Freeman went back to back, and then it got a little interesting. Um, but I said, you know, there was only a gem for Fultonavich in the second game. They won that one in that game because they only scored three runs in that game. They only scored three in Game Three. Um, and you know, it was just a lot of waste chances. Obviously, yesterday, you know, by the time you know, you're playing at home and you can see ten in the first, the game is already over. So they, you're just you're going to have to turn into, you know, 1927 Yankees in order to even think about getting back into that game. So it was you can't blame the offense for that. That was the point. Well, one way you can't, but I think it was that. I think it was offensive frailties. Um, and you know the lack lack of options from the bench because of um, a little bad luck with injuries and it yeah it's a shame <clears throat> sorry for the Braves because yeah people always will remember the you know the playoffs I mean who remembers you know the, the Seattle Mariners um, you know that the team won 116 games I think you know what was that nearly 20 years ago now and it was um, and you know no one apart from the Mariners probably really remembers them that fondly because I think they went out in the first round. Yeah, then, exactly. Yeah, the playoffs. So it's that's the thing, you know, but it shouldn't really detract away from the fact that they've got a great future and and um, I guess just into what they do next. And you know, do they re-sign Donaldson? Um, it might be more realistic than going after Rendon, um, but I, I think they've got less holes to fill than um, than, a, than you know the Nationals. Obviously, got the issue with Rendon and obviously their own bullpen. The Mets and the Phillies obviously have their own problems as well. The Braves have got a less issues to fill, I think, in the off season. And I think going forward, they've just got to be thinking about. It. They can't get down on themselves sort of too much. They've just got to say this is a learning curve, um, and you know we're still young, um, and you know we we can still do this. You know it's it's. They'll, 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 their time will come. I'll be very surprised if this side doesn't challenge for a pennant in the next five or six years because the, there's a lot, a lot of talent on this side and obviously a lot of young talent. Um, so it's... Um, I know people are just going to point to that game last night. And it, it may well be one of those things that hangs over the Braves until they you know, uh, get to a championship series or get to a, a World Series maybe even. But it shouldn't distract them everyone from the fact that they've been absolutely brilliant this season and um you know and it's and i'm really pleased for their manager because uh you know he's been with the braves since the late 70s and he's uh, slowly worked his way up the um um the pyramid at the, at the braves and he's now he's managing them which is uh, great for him and i'm sure you'll get some manager of the year votes um as well so it's um yeah it's it's, it's a sad way to win, especially because it was such a... The first four games were brilliant, I thought. I thought it was all set to be a sensational game five, and it was a bit of a letdown, but, you know, these things happen. And unfortunately, Fultonavich, 
as good as he was early on in the series, you always feel he's got that sort of performance in him, you know, a three, well, you, usually you don't expect him to be down with only getting one out. And that one out was actually a sack punt. So it wasn't a proper out, you could say. Um, so you always feel that, you, I think that's why I thought, you know, Flaherty against Fulton Avich, you can't really tell with a one-game player, but I thought, the Cardinals would win. Obviously, didn't envisage them winning by 12 runs, but it was Boltonavich always has that possibility in him that he could collapse, really. It didn't help by the fact that Freeman committed an error, and, and I think he had a chance, half a chance to turn a double play that would have ended the inning, and they would only, have, I think, have been at 2-0 after the first. So it was... Um, so that, could have, that was a big turning point, maybe, as well. So And then it just... It was like carnage after that. He was just like, everything was finding gaps. He was thinking into gaps and there was just some you know, a strikeout a strikeout wild pitch run scored and oh god, it was it was so grim to look to watch and I can't imagine how it was like to, to watch as a Braves fan because it was it was painful viewing as a divisional rival. So goodness knows what it was like for them. Yeah. I think I think overall obviously that series was a lot about uh, bullpens and um, and obviously there was like a lot of late turnarounds now. Atlanta could have easily won all four of the first game. Uh, granted, they did come from behind in game three, but when you look at the first three games, for example, uh, the Braves chucked a 3-1 lead in the eighth and then gave up four in the top of the ninth. Came back and scored three. Wasn't enough. Uh, and then obviously game four, the Braves are winning uh, by a run in the eighth inning, uh, give it back again. And then you look at game two and game three in particular, they held the Cardinals over two games to just one run. That it just must be really, really frustrating to have put themselves in that position to even play game five, never mind to lose game five the way they did. Now, obviously, the Cardinals had the meltdown in game three with Carlos Martinez, but um, yeah, like the, the Braves must have looked at that and thought, you know, like when. When, when they had that comeback in Game 3, they must have thought, we, we're unlucky not to have swept this series. And then to now be on the end of, uh, well, to be at the off-season now, and after such a, let's be honest, humiliating loss on uh, Wednesday night, it's, uh, it's thoroughly disappointing. But as a very, very young team with uh, guys who are going to be there for a while, who are, you know, at the level they are at the moment, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's likely that these guys are going to get the opportunity to do it next year and for many years to come. I think that uh, they, 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 man, Washington are clearly the class of the division at the moment, and I just feel like to me the Braves are. I, I know obviously like something major could happen in Washington uh, this October, but I feel like the Braves are very, very well positioned to be. Um, the, the team to beat in 2020 in this division. I think that they've got they've got more more depth in uh, all over the team. Like I still think their bullpen's not great, but I think it's better than Washington's. I think that their rotation is uh, just as strong as Washington's. I know obviously Washington have got the two huge names in their rotation, although one might opt out. We'll talk about that in a bit. And obviously the lineups are both good, but the Braves aren't really the Braves don't have to lose anybody important next season, whereas the, the Nationals are gonna have a fight on their hands with Dupanty Rendon. But I feel like obviously we're sitting in October and we're talking about twenty twenty, but I feel like Atlanta are a better place than Washington. 
despite the fact that I feel like obviously this right now Washington have just eliminated a better team in the playoffs than the team that knocked out the Cardinals. But uh, that's playoff baseball for you. Playoff baseball is mad, and the the most important thing is to get to the tournament. Once you get to the tournament, all bets are off as far as I'm concerned, and that was obviously the case last night with uh, Fontenevich. Now, obviously. I think the disappointment yesterday, other than the obvious, is the fact that obviously Fontenevich came out and pitched dreadfully and didn't make out the first inning. But then to have Max Fried sitting there uh, to clean up the mess and he just couldn't do it himself either. I, am I right in saying that the first 13 base runners scored? Because like, I know uh, I know the Cardinals left the base loaded in the third and I think that everybody who'd been on base before that had scored. Something like that, yeah. They, it was... There was so much going on, I, I barely had time to, to sort of like recognize what was going on. I mean, my favorite probably bit of trivia about it was that the Cardinals pitcher Jack Flaherty had 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 three at bats before the uh, Atlanta Braves number uh, pitcher had even hit once. So, it was, um, so yeah, it was something like that. It was, it was just a procession, really. So it was hard to, I think it was something like 13 or 14 came to the plate. I think it was 14 came to the plate in the first inning. And it was, um, I mean, there was, you know, these little things that could have happened. I mean, they, he had a very borderline strike and um, at one and two to get Fowler that was called a ball. I mean, I would have given it a strike, to be honest, and he would have been gone. And then that's one down. But And then you don't know what happens to us. And then, you know, uh, Freeman makes a bad error. Um, but then after that, it was just carnage. And, uh yeah, it was not something you could ever predict, and it was. I mean, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a side make tactical defensive switches in the second inning. Sorry, in the half, in the, in the first inning, actually, they took um, Carpenter out immediately and put Vader in because obviously Carpenter's a pretty average third baseman. Um, he's obviously just in there for his bat. So I never. It was so such a weird game. Especially as because how the rest of the series had gone, and we were just expecting it to be like that again, and it was it was very very odd, um, really, and it was uh, a really strange way for a season to end, and and the um, years and years later, the Braves are, I mean, in game four, you know, Yadi Molina comes up with two RBIs, and you know, Mets fans know all too well. Um, how clutch Yadi Molina can be in the postseason. So it's uh, they have my sympathies, that's for sure. And if I wasn't a Mets fan at the time, it still seems to haunt Mets fans to this day. That does uh, maybe until um, maybe they beat the Cardinals again. I don't know. They're not going to get over something like that. I mean, it's um, it's really it was a series they let slip away. I think, and it's, it's something they. It's, I mean, yeah, they as I've already said, their problems with injuries, but. It's a series they should have won. The Cardinals won. I have no idea how. Um, really, just by I don't know. The Cardinals just being the Cardinals, I guess they just do have this way of just finding ways to win, and they just win. A, I mean, I think they've won something like three or four division series this this decade by three to two. I think virtually everyone they've won, they've won three to. So it's they never seem to do things the easy way. So it's um, and uh, you know, and Azuna. You know, he caught fire at the right time as well. So it's um, yeah, it was it was a batshit game, and I couldn't believe what I was. I genuinely couldn't believe what was going on, and it was uh, 
sad way for the Braves that season to end because it didn't deserve to end like that. Yeah, absolutely. Commiserations to the Braves. Uh, before we move on to the Nationals, um, just to link the two together, uh, we have this idea that the Nationals are uh, the biggest choke artists in baseball. And to be fair, we have a lot of evidence to back that up over the last few years. But uh, you shared an interesting stat with me yesterday about how many how many series in a row the Braves have lost in the postseason. It's insane. I mean, obviously, one of the series was a wild card game. And I'm assuming, it was, if I remember rightly, it was that wild card game where they got completely fucked on the infield fly rule. But um, it's been a long time since the Braves won a playoff series uh, and not for a lack of chances either. No, you're right. Yeah, I've got it. I've got the one I sent you. Yeah, they've lost 10 consecutive postseason rounds. It's uh, going back from the 2001 NLCS, which was the last time. Uh, so that must have been against the Diamondbacks. I mean, that was the last, in 2001, that was the last NLDS they won. I mean, it's hard to believe the Braves, have, especially maybe since how um, dominant they were in the 90s. Just the, the very idea that they've not, it's been 18 years since they've even been past the NLDS is a bit, feels a bit mad to me. I and mean, I, I, I almost couldn't believe it when I heard that, to be honest. It was, um, yeah, it just you just think of them as a as a postseason side, really, and especially with the talent, they've had a few decent teams this this decade. So it's it is a bit hard to believe they've not been to a, a CS, but I guess them had the Giants been dominant, and obviously the Cardinals have been good this decade too. So it's and the Cubs and the Dodgers. So maybe there's been more. Uh, it's been tougher this decade. I don't know. I don't know what the reasons are, but it's yeah, it does seem a little odd that. Um, that it's been, you know, I mean, I was 12 years old the last time they won an, an LVS. I mean, it was uh, and Ronald Acuna was three. So he was, um, yeah, it's a really bizarre start. Um, and you get, I, I wouldn't say what they did was choking, but just, I think they just, Cardinals came up clutch when they needed to and the Braves didn't. I'll call it a choke job. I'll be that guy. Yeah, but probably that choke. Yeah. What's going to be interesting from that point of view is I feel like I've been watching baseball for a hundred years. The first baseball I watched was the two thousand and one World Series. So maybe I'm the jenks. <laughs> maybe I've never seen the Braves win a playoff series. Yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, we can thank you for that then, Jody. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, onto the Nationals, obviously. Um, I think uh, an amazing achievement, to be honest. Um, I think uh, most people just look at the National League and just expect the Dodgers to sleepwalk their way to the World Series. Uh, I'll be honest, like I've got no desire to see the Dodgers in the World Series again after the last couple. Obviously, 2017 was a great series, but they did not turn up for Game 7. They got completely waxed uh, last year by the Boston Red Sox. Uh, this year, we don't have to worry about it, though. Now, um, I, I just thought this was a really, really fascinating series in that like there were very few close games and um, obviously game two was reasonably close but even then it was one of those situations where Washington had a three nothing lead and let it get close and uh, yesterday obviously I went to extra innings before things really broke out but to me like I just feel like this when we talk about the Braves going forward, obviously they need to get over the hump of winning a playoff series because even though the vast majority of people on this team weren't part of it, uh, some of these postseason failures over the last 18 years, um, the Braves have to get over the hump to, to get anywhere, to be honest. But the Nationals are over the hump now. Um, and surprisingly, uh, they, 
they came from three nothing down against the Dodgers. They were showing very, very little life last night, to be perfectly honest. Uh, against Walker Bueller, who I thought was terrific uh, through through four innings, I thought Walker Bueller was terrific. Got a wee bit ropeier in the fifth and sixth inning, and obviously he gave back a run in the sixth. But um, obviously, like Bueller went six and two thirds, uh, really, really, really good start overall. Uh, and a, a second really good start in this postseason as well. And you just feel that he's got them in this position where they can turn it over to a bullpen, which has not been the most reliable bullpen, but certainly a lot better than Washington's on paper. And uh, the most... It, it, before we talk about the Nationals, I think we need to talk about Clayton Kershaw. We had a small exchange uh, today about Kershaw. And uh, I think we have slightly opposing uh, viewpoints on this one because... Uh, you 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 shared you shared a tweet with me about um who I don't I don't even know who this guy was but it was talking about all of Clayton Kershaw's accomplishments and his absolutely disastrous postseason career is impossible to ignore on his Cooperstown resume and I think you were a little bit put out by that but um, yeah. I'm not I'm not and I'm I'm, inter- I'm interested to talk this with you what like what was it about that that really set you off I don't know I think he just. I don't know what it is. I guess it, I just see it every year, and it just really it just gets tiresome every year. To, seeing there's always a he's this, he's that, and, and all that sort of stuff. I just, I mean, yeah, is he the pitcher he was several years ago? Of course not. But he's just, I don't know whether it's. I just don't think he's getting enough respect. I don't think it's necessarily that. It's just, it's just a really tired argument. I just wish they just wouldn't bring it up every single time he has a. Even he's even remotely less than perfect. Obviously, he was far from perfect yesterday, but he was. Um, yeah, I just I just get annoyed about it. You know, every single year that you know there's going to be something with Kershaw unless he turns into mid sixty Sandy Koufax. He's just not going to. He, again, you know, getting over the hump. He's, the Dodgers going to have to win a World Series for people to shut up. I think. You know, yeah. Because I mean, it's until he gets a ring. So he's, he's just going to be known as this guy who chokes in the postseason. And, yeah, he was um, – yeah, I mean, I guess the one series where he didn't do it, just one postseason, was probably 2015 when he played us. I mean, he gave up three, um, I think, in at about five and two-thirds or five and a third against the Mets. But he was sensational pretty much, you know, in, in Silva. He was a brilliant pitcher. So he, he was that sensational at City Field as well. So he, he was, you know, pretty good. You know, and in that one, I just get a bit tired of it every year because it's it is just like the same, you know, arguing that's coming every year, and it just gets really, really irksome. And maybe just deserve a little bit more respect. And I know he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer and everything, but I kind of want the Dodgers to win a World Series for him, really, because I do genuinely like the bloke. And it, and there was a really haunting sort of photo of him just sitting on his own and. You could tell just how devastated it was, and you know it's it's getting. I think it's getting to him a little bit. You know, I think I think it genuinely is eating away at him a little bit. He won't show it. So I don't think he's really that sort of guy, really. I mean, he shows a little bit of emotion, but I don't think he, he's not the type to complain. I don't think, or, you know, about he, you know, he'll he'll own up to his own mistakes and that. But I think. You know, I feel sorry, a little bit sorry for him because I said this is not going to go away until they win a World Series, or he at least has a great, you know, has a you know, Kurt Schilling two thousand two three esque, you know, postseason. Um, it's yeah, 
I, yeah, I know I've gone off one a little bit there, but it, it, I just think it's a little bit harsh um, on him, really, because, you know, especially, you know, small sample size of, well, not small sample size, but, you know, compared to the rest rest of his career is a small sample size, but, you know, people are often only judged by the, mostly judged by the postseason, and it doesn't help that he's with the Dodgers, and you look at Sandy Koufax, who was just as good, if not better, in the postseason than he was in the regular season. You know, so that that's also our trying to be compared constantly to Sandy Koufax um, as well. So it's, I just think there's a, he needs to be treated like he's immortal, really. Rather, I mean, he, it's like, it almost feels like people glory in his despair a little bit at times. See, I, I do take a kind of opposite view on it with Kershaw because, um, if if the guys if the guy if the guy's point is that this should disqualify Kershaw from Cooperstown, then it's bullshit, right? But I don't think yeah. that's exactly what he's saying. I think that what he's saying uh, is it's what he's saying, or, or what I'm saying anyway. And I think what he's getting at is it, it's it's now impossible to tell the story of Clayton Kershaw's career without talking about the postseason because, like, and it, it's funny. It's not that he is dreadful in the postseason. But he is unbelievably wildly inconsistent in the postseason. So I think that, like, I honestly think that it's just, um, I, I, I honestly just feel like you, you can't tell the story of Clayton Kershaw without talking about this. Now, um, this, w- this was an article from last year that I'd read up. Um, obviously, um, in terms of starts, there wasn't a huge amount um, different, but. Since uh, 2013, which is when the Dodgers started winning the division every year, um, Kershaw has nine postseason starts, but he's gone six innings at least and given up one or less runs, which is amazing. And it's the best run during that. Granted, there's a, not a lot of guys who've had the opportunity to do that in that span, so that's interesting. But also, uh, he's allowed five or more runs eight times in the playoffs, which is the most ever. And he's one of only two pitchers ever to allow seven or more in consecutive postseason starts, uh, the other one being Mordecai Brown in 1910. Now, to me, right, I think that... It, it's interesting because I remember 10 years ago when Alex Rodriguez had the great World Series against the Phillies, and the narrative going into that postseason was that A-Rod shrunk in the postseason and there was so much evidence to back it up. But what was really funny about it, and I know it's kind of different for a hitter, but like you have a monster postseason, um, and you can undo nine or ten years of like not only just bad narrative, but bad numbers as well. Because like his his postseason in two thousand and nine was so good that a guy's numbers pretty close to just what his regular career numbers would be. Whereas there was a massive drop off before that. Uh, it's harder to do as a pitcher because obviously, like you go out and you give up seven runs. Hey, sorry, you get you, you go seven innings and you give up two runs. That's a great postseason start, but it really doesn't do much to your overall numbers uh, when you've got an ERA close to four and a half or roughly four and a half, like Kershaw does in the postseason. And it's a big enough sample size that I think it has to be talked about. Now, I know what you mean about him deserving respect, but this is this has been this has been too many too many starts where. Kershaw's came up really, really small in the postseason. Like even if you just think about certain ones, there was the game uh, in uh, against the Cardinals in 2014 where he was six one up and uh, was part of chucking that away. Uh, there was the game where I think he was four runs up against Houston in the World Series a couple of years ago and he gave that up. And yeah, it's just there's been too many of these to be perfectly honest. And for a guy whose ERA 
in his career is like under 250. To add another two on top of that in the postseason, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's unacceptable, but I think it's impossible to to ignore and um, I think it's impossible to, um, you know, not have it be part of the narrative. But I also feel that, like you say, say the Dodgers were to win the World Series in 2020 and Kershaw makes five starts and he's outstanding in three or four of them. And even okay in the other ones, everything will be fine and no one will talk about it anymore. But last night was the opportunity, uh, was or, or another opportunity, if you like, for him to go in, pitch the eighth inning, shut it down, and then even if they hand over to, say, Kenley Jansen in the ninth or whatever, uh, the the Dodgers go through 3-1, and Kershaw probably gets a start in the um, NLCS against the Cardinals. And again, it's another chance to change the narrative, but... He looked great, obviously, when he came in in the seventh yesterday. Uh, I think it was at the meeting, he struck out in three pitches. And then the cliff came uh, to start the eighth inning when he gives up back-to-back home runs to start the inning. And unfortunately, we've seen this too often for Clayton Kershaw. And like I say, um, it's impossible to tell the story without talking about this. But um, yeah, I, I think I think we're going to agree to disagree on that with Kershaw. But um, in terms of the Washington National... Um, once you get past the playoff round, anything can happen. And if we go back to obviously the um, the the wild card game, they were down and they showed a bit of fight. Granted, they were helped out by an error in the eighth inning. Now, obviously, I think they were still going to tie the game up, even if that error wasn't made. But that that error pushed ahead the the go ahead run. But um, they have now gone through the wild card game uh, when the chips were down, and they've taken out the best team in the National League. So. I mean, not that this is the only chance, but this is this is a great opportunity for Washington. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a very hard series to call, really, because I think they're largely pretty even. And I, I'm not sure what it is, but I reckon there's probably only a couple of games. I think, actually, I reckon the Nationals, despite the fact, obviously, that the Cardinals are the highest seed, I think the Nationals might have won one or two more games, if, or if not the same. You know, so it's um, yeah. So it's a Washington very won Washington won two more. You're right, ninety three. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean it's. But as I said, you know, it, they. I think there's a lot of the players that are just coming right as as well. I mean, it is going to be more interesting over a seven game series if it goes up or how they do the bullpen really because early on in the series the ends of Dodgers they were basically not pitching anyone who was. Um, apart from Daniel Hudson, who was a proper pro- proper um, reliever. I mean, it was. Um, I mean, uh, the two the two losses uh, they they took. Patrick Corbin took two of them or both of them yeah. because uh, it says one only one of them starting. Because and I think they I think even I think uh, Strasburg or Andor Scherzer um, came out of the bullpen once or twice as well. So it just shows like I think they're gonna have to at some point trust you know the likes of you know fernando rodney or whoever else and it's um i mean hudson looks you know pretty solid enough as it is but you know they are gonna have to at some point trust the likes of rainy trust the likes of rodney in these um you know awkward spots and it's um and you know i don't think it's sustainable you know them you know just picking their starters uh, the bullpen really. I mean, it's 
it's it's good for maybe game sixes or game sevens of the World Series or in Championship Series when you need to get a, a win or even a, in a division series. But over an entire series, I just don't think it's very it's it's not sustainable. I don't think, and it's you're not going to get the best out of them. And so, but the Cardinals, you know, it's they've got the I think that offensively, I'd say again, it's so even though, isn't it? I mean, it. Azuna is coming good. Goldschmidt's just poor Goldschmidt, isn't he? He's, he's brilliant, whatever he does. And um, you could argue maybe um, that the Cardinals got a slightly deeper lineup, you know, with De Jong at eight. But, you know, that's a strong number eight to have in your order. And obviously, Tommy Edmonds getting better and better. It's maybe, I mean, the Cardinals might just think if they can, it's all about that middle part of the the order really maybe like the foot or the first five you know turner um eaton rendon kendrick um it's that 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 sort of first four or five batters um you kind of feel that is where the you know the, the meat of this and soto obviously and you know that's the meat of that national zora is the top five i mean suzuki's you know he's okay hopefully he's going to be okay after that horrible blow to the face or gomes you know it's and Michael A. Taylor, you know, decent, okay hitters. Um, but if there's any difference between them, I'd say the Cardinals might just have the edge on on them in the um, offensively. But I think um, I'd say probably then then that's probably have the starters wise they have the better starters. Which is not to say that you know that um, Cardinals are useless. Obviously they got Flaherty. I mean he's Flaherty's a might end up being in the, probably in the top three or four in the um, Cy Young voting. Um, you know, he's been brilliant the last couple of months. Um, and obviously, Wainwright's experience, he was fantastic um, in a series against the Braves. That uh, seven or eight innings he, he threw, it was like Wainwright of old, you know, you know, of uh, early this decade. And it was, uh, it does shape up to be a fascinating series. But as I said, as game five of the of Braves Cardinal proved, it's, it's hard baseball's becoming increasingly hard to harder to uh, predict and it's um but it's yeah it's two very evenly matched teams and it's um it's definitely settled to be a pretty fascinating series. Yeah definitely. Uh, yeah. just to touch again on the on the, the DS now obviously you mentioned Patrick Corbin. Um Corbin didn't have a terrible start um in the first game the bullpen kinda let that game get away. And then obviously he comes in with a, I think it was a two-one lead in game three, and I mean shit the bed. Let's be completely honest. Yeah. Uh, absolutely collapsed, giving up six runs in less than an inning. And I mean, it's just interesting because I feel like um, the Nationals, the not. I mean, anything could have happened in that series. Obviously, you can talk about the fact that uh, Corbin melted down in game three. Um, just as much as you can talk about the fact that Kershaw uh, gave up back-to-back last night. But it just goes to show the, the frailties of postseason baseball that we had uh, four games that really weren't all that close. Uh, obviously, we had a 4-2 in Game 2. And then in Game 5, it goes to extra innings. Um, and I think, I can't remember, it was at the bottom of the ninth, uh, I think it was, where uh, the Nationals hit one that had, uh, sorry, the Dodgers hit one. I can't remember who it was, to be honest. Maybe Doc Peterson hit one um, 
to right field, and like the Dodgers were off the bench ready to celebrate the walk off, and Will. it gets off the track. Who was it? Will Smith. Oh, it was Will Smith. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Could, yeah. I, oh, Dale. I only remember because Pete uh, Bellinger was the first one out the dugout, and I was trying to remember like who it could have been, but yeah. Um, he hits that one, and to be honest, off the bat, I thought he had a chance, and obviously they did as well. Uh, dies on the track, and then you know uh, the rest is history in the in the top of the tenth. Uh, the pitcher that came in, uh, uh, what's his name, um, Joe oh, Kelly. Yeah. Joe Kelly honestly looked like he didn't have it um, from the first pitch on. Uh, gives up the double to make it second and third, no outs. They walk so, and you at least look at uh, Howie Kendrick's postseason, which obviously really small sample size, but he'd really not been off to much of a start, to be honest. Um, and you look at him as a potential to ground into a double play, and not just a double play, obviously, in that situation, uh, a home to first double play. Um, and obviously, that's what the Dodgers are thinking, but he gets into one to center field, and from that point on, I mean, that is game over. Uh, Grand Slam in the top of the tenth inning, you can book your ticket, and it just goes to show again in baseball that like it's not always the guys you expect that um, can be the difference. Uh, not to say that Howie Kendricks had a bad season or anything like that. Howie Kendricks, uh, a damn fine baseball player, still at this age, but <laughs> yeah, um, if you told me that the the Nationals were going to win on a Grand Slam by Howie Kendrick. Um, I may have been surprised, despite the fact they had a really, really good uh, twenty nineteen regular season. Yeah, I mean it's um, it was uh, going to the Dodgers. Really, it was like I think it was actually Joe Kelly's second inning, or I think he had he he had pitched in the ninth. I think I think he he actually struck out the side. Um, I think after um, he did, yeah. Yeah, and, he, and then he said, "I thought you looked good in that one," but I I think I put it when I when I was on doing the minute, minute by minute, but Kelly has this knack. You know, he, he his stuff is actually, it's very high. I mean, if he could ever have honed it, so there's a reason why he became a, a reliever and, you know, and he um, stopped being a starter because for, some, for whatever reason, things go wrong for him and he does get lit up quite an awful lot. It's, um, the actual stuff is fantastic. I love his stuff, but you always feel like a catastrophe is not that far away. And when I woke up this morning after, because I went to bed after the ninth and um, it was about 5 a.m. and I need to get sleep before work. And it was, I wasn't surprised, I guess, to see that Joe Kelly had been, had imploded in the, um, in the 10th inning. So it was just I mean, so funny that like, he looked so good in the ninth inning. And from the first pitch in the 10th inning, it was just like, he's not got it. Yeah. And- it was just one of those things, you know, like sometimes it's, it wasn't like, it wasn't even like one of those things where he went up and he threw like a slider in the dirt or anything like that. It was, there was just something not right in that 10th inning. And it was like, this is a problem. And unfortunately, like when you've got trust in your guys, you're not exactly going to, you're not exactly going to look at Joe Kelly. Um, I think he walked the first guy. Um, and then you're just going to be like, right, this is fucked. Um, let's get him out of there. It's just not how you. It's not how you work. You know, it's not how it goes. But I just, I just thought it was, uh, it was really interesting to see the difference. Um, but yeah. Um, so obviously, we, we've talked a little bit about uh, this series going to be uh, Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals are going to have home field advantage, obviously, by by being higher seeded, despite the fact Washington had no more wins. Um, 
explaining that to uh to a layman might sound strange, but uh, St. Louis won the division and Washington didn't. But um, I guess we should probably uh, throw down a prediction uh, for what we think is going to happen. Uh, who are you taking and in how many games? Uh, Cardinals in six. Okay. Uh, I am going to take Washington in six. Um, I am still really concerned that their bullpen is going to kill them. Um, but uh, I just... There's something about the Cardinals that every time they get to the postseason and do anything, they're just a threat to win it all. Uh, we've seen it. We've seen it a couple of times, obviously, but um, I don't know. I just, I just really like this Washington team. I think that uh, I, I think that the depth in their rotations uh, pretty good. Um, obviously, like you've got the two, the, the top two uh, of Strasburg and uh, Scherzer, and then you've got the next two and Corbin, who's had a bit of an inconsistent season, and uh, Anibal Sanchez, who's had. I, I think Anibal Sanchez is one of the more underrated guys in baseball. Uh, that they could they could really put themselves in a situation where they 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 just dominate. Now St. Louis have a great offense, but um, Washington to me, Washington to me strike me. If, if I'm saying Washington in six, they strike me as the type that are going to average about six or seven runs a game in the games they win. But the two they don't, they'll probably score like three runs combined. It's just the, kind of the way Washington work. Um, but like when they're not winning, they don't score, um, and when they score, they score in bunches. And I, I, I can really see Washington winning this series. And I mean, it, I mean, this is such a close series that nothing that happens in this series would surprise me, short of like a one-sided, lopsided sweep. You know, anything that could happen in this series would uh, wouldn't surprise me. But I think that I think I, I like I like the idea of Washington winning this series. To be honest, um, maybe a gut feeling, but it's postseason baseball. You know, like postseason baseball, a lot of predictions is based on gut. But it's going to be interesting, and I'm quite looking forward to it. starting tomorrow night. Uh, first two games, Friday night and Saturday night in St. Louis, and and we'll be rolling after that. But uh, let's have a let's have a quick look at the schedule um, to see when we'll be back to talk about that series. Or if it might be a situation where we actually come back after the series and talk about it. So let's get the schedule up. Uh, we're doing this live because, you know, um, we're professional like that. So uh, obviously it starts tomorrow, like I said, game two on Saturday night. Uh, we, If we come back next Thursday, um, it will be potentially before uh, um, potentially before game six or just after, the day after game five. Game five scheduled in for uh, Wednesday next week. So... Um, I'm going to trust that the series isn't over by then. But if it is, then I guess we can talk about it. But yeah, so we try and get back next Thursday, Thomas. Sounds great. Brilliant. So uh, enjoy the NLCS over the week. Thomas, I, I assume you won't be able to cover all of it on uh, by the minute just because, on, on the Twitter account anyway, because, you know, it's uh, ridiculous start times for a lot of it. But um Definitely a series I'm looking forward to, and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. So, uh, anyway, we'll we'll wrap up just now, Thomas. Always a pleasure talking baseball with you. Thanks, Jerry. And uh, yeah, uh, it's it's at least good to see this. This was potentially going to be the last podcast of the season, uh, especially when it was three nothing uh, to the Dodgers last night. But here we are, seven three Nationals, and yeah, they will play the Cardinals starting tomorrow night. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you again next week.